0: My name is Angela Cox, and I am the Mindset Mentor. And this is the Mindset Mentor Meets podcast. Now, my aim is to discover and share the secrets of success. You'll hear engaging and uplifting interviews with business leaders at the top of their game, all primed to deliver bucketfuls of value and inspiration. We'll bring practical tips success strategies and golden nuggets of motivation to help you unleash your absolute potential now please do like share and leave a review if you love this podcast it really does help others to find us thanks for listening and let's jump in now and meet this week's fabulous guest My guest today is Scott Allen. Now, let me make sure that I get this right. He is the Global Marketing Development and Strategy Director at Microsoft, leading marketing transformation across the commercial businesses. Now, my hunch is that if we were to cut Scott in half, he would have marketing written through him like a stick of rock, having been in marketing since 1995. I've known him for several years and I'm a huge fan Scott, it's so lovely to have you on the show today. Thank you. And how are you?
1: Thank you. I'm I'm good. Obviously, we're, we're living in uncertain times at the moment, but I am trying to, to, to stay healthy and, and stay positive. And I hope everybody who's listening is feeling OK with what's going on at the moment. But overall, feeling good and feeling lucky at the moment.
0: Oh, that's good. We've got a lot to be grateful for, haven't we, even though we, we're in these tough yeah. times. Yes. Definitely. And I will say we are both on lockdown, um, as are many people. And so if we have children interrupting or doorbells ringing, do forgive us because we are doing this remotely. I think i
1: am happy if we didn't have people interrupting. That's what the <laughs> norm now, isn't it? Kids running in is the new norm, surely.
0: Absolutely. We've seen it all over social media. Okay. It does make <laughs> okay. me laugh.
1: Okay. It's
0: very human, isn't it? <laughs> Now, we always start the podcast with what I call the shake your pom poms moment. So this is all about you having the opportunity to celebrate successes and get you in the mindset for this podcast, which is all about helping other people to be the best versions of themselves. So to start with Scott, I'd really love it if you could share with me your three proudest moments.
1: Okay, I could have talked about all the things I've done in my career, but this is sort of a mix of a personal and a a business piece. So first and foremost, it's it's family. And when I say family, it's everything from being on my own, being single and sort of starting my career after leaving uni and then meeting who was then my wife to be, marrying my wife. And now we've got three beautiful kids and that sort of period of time where we become a family of, of two to three to four to five without doubt, the best thing that's ever happened to me and a big motivation to me. So definitely that would be my my number one. I think the second one is probably when I got my first paycheck. And it wasn't so much about what the paycheck was. I started as a marketing assistant. I've had that real staircase career where I've started in the sort of the most uh, junior position and worked my way up. But it was that first paycheck where I, I saw it and I... I really thought this is the start of a career. You know, I'd gone through university. My mum and dad had really supported me without their support and they, they weren't rich. You know, they they really supported me financially. And if they hadn't have done that, I wouldn't have got through. And it was a it was a proud moment for me to say, I've got out, I've now got my first career role and I'm going to start to move through and I can stand on my two feet for, for the first time and pay back the, the faith that my mum and dad put in me. So definitely that sort of first cha- paycheck moment. And I think the last one, I've had lots of highlights across my career, lots of awesome things that I've been involved in from a marketing perspective, but probably it was when I joined Microsoft. I joined Microsoft just over six years ago, always been a big fan from afar. Mm -hmm. And the opportunity to go in and run their enterprise marketing initially and then become the UK CMO lead was an incredibly defining moment for me. And I've learned a lot in the last six years and the new role that I'm now doing, the new global role. Um, puts me at the front of our, our digital transformation for marketing. So very proud to have got the Microsoft role and then the stuff that I'm now doing and all the campaigns we've run in Microsoft over the, the last six years I've been in the role.
0: So I'm just amazing things to be proud of. And what's really good about those in my from my perspective is the fact that you've got that real blend of home business and and personal kind of challenge and and moments to be proud of in there so it isn't just all about work which that that balance is really key but i guess it's it'd be good for us to talk about work because you Mm. know microsoft is up there certainly in my head as one of those you know go-to brands that is shiny and spectacular and you're so lucky to to be part of that but you've not always been part of it so it'd be really good to kind of you know take us on a whistle stop tour of your career and how all of this has come to be
1: yeah sure i i as I just mentioned, I've had quite a a staircase career. And what I mean by that is I literally have come up through the ranks from starting in my first role as a a marketing assistant. But let me sort of go one step back further from that. When I was at school, I didn't want to go into marketing. Shock horror. I didn't want to go. I didn't really know what marketing was when I was at school. I had the I had the dream jobs I wanted to do. I wanted to be a footballer, and I wasn't a bad player then. And I had opportunities, but I was never going to make it as a pro. So that's sort where of the dream went away. Wanted to be a radio DJ. Uh, I still, oh. love, I still love radio DJs now, and I'm very, uh, I'm very fixed to the radio, maybe more so than TV. But what happened was, as I uh, left school and I went to college, and I did leisure studies. There was a module called marketing, and that's where I really started to understand what marketing was and what it wasn't. And that's why I sort of fell in love with it. So from there, I, were, I got the right qualifications to go to university uh, to do a marketing degree. And the marketing degree set me up then for wanting to have marketing as the career that I went into. At the same time, I did my Chartered Institute of Marketing diploma uh, and made sure that I had the sort of more practical um, qualifications alongside the degree. And, and I highly recommend to anybody who is in marketing, no matter where you are in your, your current career, doing the CIM is a really, really good thing to do. And it's it's a great thing to, to get as an achievement. Obviously, then going on to MBAs is, is, is even more awesome. And from there, I was very, very deliberate about what type of career I wanted in marketing. And what I mean by that is um, it was the early 90s and it was when telecoms was moving from analog to digital. So I was very, very intrigued by what was going on. People like BT Salnet and Orange were starting to launch their brands. And it was starting to become a little bit more well known of what the, the telco sector was about. And mobile phones were becoming something that everybody could use rather than the uh, the, the select few or the, or the lucky few. And therefore, I chose to go into to, to telecoms. And I got my first job as a marketing assistant for a company called Orgo Carden System, a German company who made SIM cards. And SIM cards didn't exist until we moved over to the digital digital telecom rather than than, than analog. So I got to work with BT there and with people like Orange and other big brands around the world like Telstra in Australia to really understand how they were building their brands in a new age of how telecoms worked. And from there, that got me the love of marketing alongside technology. So from Augur, I cut my teeth. I, I learned how marketing worked over a five-year period. I then advanced on to work for other telecoms oriented companies. And I started to move up the uh, the career ladder. So I went from marketing assistant to marketing manager uh, to marketing director. And I had a good sort of mix in the early career of startup to medium-sized organization Then I decided deliberately I needed to work for some bigger companies to get that experience. And that's where I moved to Logica, who are now called CGI today. And I worked in the telco division there as their global marketing director. And that got me uh, interested then in cloud. Cloud has been around a lot longer than people think. And from there, I really thought that cloud was the next piece that I wanted to do uh, as a marketeer. It was, again, an up-and-coming technology that I knew would get bigger and bigger. And I went over to a company called Colt, City London of Telecom. And Colt was where I really learned how cloud computing worked. And I ran their marketing globally for their cloud business and then all up their portfolio after that. And it was that experience that then got me the job. Uh, at Microsoft because Microsoft, uh, through Satya Nadella's leadership, were really starting to come into uh, the the cloud market for Azure and Office 365 uh, and Dynamics. And I had the opportunity to uh, go for a role, which was head of enterprise marketing, and I was lucky enough to get that role. And then during my six years at Microsoft, I then went on to lead the UK marketing, both consumer marketing and commercial marketing. Love that. I did that for, for nearly three years and then that gave me the opportunity to go and work for Microsoft HQ and i'm now in the team that is responsible for the global marketing transformation of their of our commercial business so i am at the forefront of the digital marketing strategy that microsoft is driving and it is awesome to uh, be in that team and really carving ahead what are the next things we are going to do as part of a a much bigger team in Chris Caposello our CMO's organization so really a staircase career marketing Mm -hmm. assistant right through to heading marketing up and the role I'm doing now I love because it's a global role and I get to work with all the different marketing teams across Microsoft around the world across the 14 big regions that we have
0: so absolutely inspirational for people to to hear you say that the fact that you can go from that very first rung on the ladder to the top in a a relatively short space of time and I guess you know you've you've been able to do that but when you first got that role as marketing assistant did you know that that is where you would end up
1: yeah I I think I'm not the sort of person that is that confident to say, I'm going to end up there. I've always had a passion for sort of leading. Um, when I you know, I played football for many, many years and I, I was a captain of a lot of the teams that I used to play for. And I had, this, I had this sort of piece of wanting to lead, but it's not just leading from the front. I talk a lot about leading from the front, the middle and the back. A leader can't come up with all the ideas. A leader can't, you know, do everything. A leader has to have a really good team around them who are capable of being the future leader, um, but also just a team that can help drive um, uh, initiatives and be proactive, but also think outside the box and do uh, different things. So when I say leading from the back, I often am a member of the team that is being run by somebody else in my team. And that may be one of our apprentices. Yes. Right now to uh, the marketing director that, that's reported into me, and I I really feel that that the sort of front, middle, and back sort of uh, approach has has made me um, probably with my team I I have a better affiliation with them. Um, I think I'm more respected because of that. I'm not the sort of the the guy at the top who just does a lot of pointing and, and, and controls, and, Yeah. Uh, although you know you have to be strategic. Somebody's chair has to be slightly forward and make those decisions. But I also make sure that. I've built a team around me that are all capable of potentially doing my job one day as well. This sort of notion of don't hire people because they might take your job. I've never really had that. It's like if I, if my time is up because someone else is better than me, that's cool. And probably is my time to move on anyway to the next. Yes. So I don't think, uh, you know, e- even in Microsoft, I'd love to stay in Microsoft for another 10, 15 years, but I won't be doing the same role. I'll be doing lots of different roles so I can have in the same company, you can have different roles. And I think the key thing is, I've reinvented myself a lot as a marketeer. If I think about the marketing I did 20 years ago, <laughs> if I not do that now, I'd be a dinosaur. So the reinvention of myself and making sure that I'm relevant to how marketing yeah. is done today, I understand how it works, but I don't have to be an expert in all those areas. So when I was uh, leading the UK marketing, I did not know more about social media than my head of social media. I did not know more about running big events that we used to run more than my head of events, but I did have a, an understanding of their job and 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 how their job worked, and how I could then use that to advise them, coach them, support them uh, as needed. So that reinvention, I think, is, uh, mm. is an important thing for me. And you know, I I think by far now I'm in the bet I have the best leadership team that I've ever worked for in the job that I'm doing. Uh, My leadership team is based out of of Redmond, which is where Microsoft HQ is. And they are the, they're awesome managers, they're awesome leaders, but they're very, very inclusive, supporting. And I feel that I'm supported in the role I'm doing. And therefore, I'm continually learning more and more. I I think that in the last five years, I've learned so much that I didn't know before I came to Microsoft. And I know that I'm going to learn stuff in the next five years as well. So this this thing of continually learning, love to learn. Mm-hmm. Anybody who follows me on Twitter, that's one of the things in my in my profile. I love to learn every day and not just from more senior people. I learn a lot from our apprentices in the business um, and people that are you know new to marketing as much as I do people that have been in marketing for 15, 20 years.
0: And I've heard that about Microsoft in terms of that be a learn-it-all rather than a know-it-all, that whole ethos. I've, I love that. And, and you've, you've just mentioned there this idea of leading from the front, the middle and the back, which is, is quite kind of a, a football analogy, I suppose, anyway, isn't it, in, in mm. itself? What I like about that is the fact that you need to understand the types of people that you need to be surrounded by that will bolster the things that perhaps you're not quite so good at and make sure that you're a strong team. So what is it that you look for in other people that helps you to be better at what you do?
1: So. First of all, I don't try to hire all the same people that have the same profile and almost like a lookalike of, of what I'm good at, because I'm not good at everything. No one's good at any, everything. I know where my weaknesses are yes. and where I need to improve. And I'm constantly working on making sure that I'm improving there. And that sort of piece around uh, learning rather than knowing all is, is very much um, you know part of our mantra in, in Microsoft. And I love that because... You can have learning moments all the time and it's absolutely fine. Somebody's not giving you a learning moment because they're saying, oh, I don't think you're very good at your job. You need a learning moment. Actually, it's, it's, it's celebrated in a successful way that you are are learning things. So I try to hire people that have skill sets where I've maybe got blind spots and then we can sort of complement each other as well. I also make sure that I don't hire people who are all, um, you know, shouters and screamers and want to dominate the conversation. I want to have introvert and extrovert, and I want to have a mix of that. But then as a leader, I need to make sure that I am inclusive about how that leadership team and the rest of the team will work together. So making sure that you don't always run the same type of all hands, which is where we bring everyone together, where it's all about people standing at the front and presenting. If the introverts aren't very good at doing that or don't like doing that, they want to express their views in other ways. Not always having your team social, which is related to going out and having alcohol and food and stuff, but doing stuff that others may like as well. So trying to make sure that you have the inclusive nature of the type of people that you hire, but also then when they're in the team, that you run the team in a way that everybody feels comfortable, everyone feels included, Mm -hmm. and everyone feels that they can... Uh, can make a difference, um, but when I'm when I'm hiring, I'm very much looking for what are the gaps we have in the team, both in terms of experience, but also how they're going to show up day to day, so that there's a complementary piece. But then others can learn off each other rather than if I keep hiring people who look like me, I'm going to <laughs> same, I'm not going to learn more. I'm going to keep learning the same yeah, stuff. Absolutely. Some of that stuff I want to unlearn. So yeah. uh, that's really important to me um, to have that sort of mix of of how you think when you hire
0: i love the way that you articulate it as a learning moment because we're talking about feedback here where you're getting feedback around the the way that you've shown up or what you've done but you class that as a learning moment which is a really lovely way to frame it actually we do um, do.
1: yeah
0: and it's a nice segue into the next um question which is all about the lessons that you've learned along the way and, and how they've shaped you
1: yeah i mean i think for me lessons are are important and for me there's there's sort of about learning lessons but also then what is the success that you can build on there I think if you talk about what are some of the key life lessons I think about one of the key things for me actually and you learn this probably as you go through your career more but it's that be sure you really know the person you're going to go and work for and that that's important to me that I've realized it more as life has gone on or my career has gone on that when you are going for a job interview, yes, it needs to be the right role. Yes, it needs to be the right company, but it also needs to be the right person who you're going to go and work for. Now, that might be the right person that's leading the company that you may not get to meet as much, but they are essentially going to run the approach and the strategy for the mm-hmm. company. And I'm, I'm extremely fortunate we have Satya Nadella, who is just awesome, Time <laughs> a million. He, he is just... <laughs> His leadership is just unbelievable and we get to see a lot of him internally through all hands and other things where where he sort of comes and 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 shows up in front of the employees and he is just brilliant in in terms of being a leader but actually where it becomes really important is the person you're going to go and work for and a great manager is so so important Mm -hmm. because you have to come into work and work with that person regularly but also you have to have that person believe in you and also, if you're going to have learning moments, when they're giving you learning moments, it's not because they're trying to see whether they want to move you onto your next job. It's because they really want you to succeed in the role. And again, one thing I love about Microsoft is everybody wants you to succeed. But you know, I really want to make sure that um, you know you think about who you go work for because that's important. I think the other thing as well that since I've had children, which is the best feeling in the world, it does change the way that you think about things uh, and it improves you in in so many ways and that's helped me not just in my personal life but also in my work life as well about maybe as I came through my career some things would frustrate me quicker than they do now (laughs) Um, you know an email would come in we've all had it the Friday email where you don't like what's being said and you end up going back on it and then it goes (laughs) on the weekend and it ruins your weekend I've learned from having children just about how to sort of structure your life and about what's important and what's not. But mm-hmm. also, when you have a, a, a moment at work that is frustrating or um, you want to, you know, you need to react to it, maybe just sleeping on it and going back to it's important or using a, a, an external mentor, or an internal mentor to help you work through a particular situation as well. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, if it's what is what are my biggest life lessons, it will be be sure you really know the person you're going to work for. And having children has definitely made me think and approach things in a way that I wouldn't have done if I hadn't had them, for sure.
0: Yeah, that kind of pause before you act. Um, Kids kind of help you with that a lot. And and that first point you made about knowing the person that you're going to work for, I guess that's easier when you are moving up within the same organisation. But if you are approaching a new organisation for a role, how's the best way to determine what that person's really about, do you think?
1: Yeah, I, mean, I think it's harder, obviously. There's probably three things that, that that come to mind. The first thing is, do you know anybody that already works for that company or has already worked for that person in some form or other? I wouldn't go for second and third hand information. I would get it from somebody who's actually worked for them. Um, so that's one way of doing it. The second way is essentially LinkedIn, and, and and LinkedIn is great now for really understanding what people's backgrounds are, what their yeah. what's their passions at the moment, if they're posting stuff. So, just not in a creepy way, but you know, looking at their profile, maybe if they've got some interesting things, I say and follow them, like officially follow them, so you get yes. to see some of the things that they're they're talking about. That also helps them when you go to the interview. And then that's the last thing is when you're at the interview. Um, whilst you know you you probably really want the job and you think it's about them interviewing you it's also about you interviewing them in a way and I actually love when I'm interviewing when I get the interview come back at me and people are questioning me not just about me personally but about the company and because I want someone to walk in with their eyes wide open and what they're coming into and who they're going to work for and stuff so using the interview process to get to know the person and ask them some questions to maybe answer some things that you, you really want to know is important as well. But also with social media, how it is nowadays, if that person is active out there, you can find some stuff around them easily uh, if you go and look for it for sure, because it's public information
0: yeah definitely some brilliant ideas in there particularly that one about the mutual interviewing i think that's a really good way of understanding the person in the moment and Mm. making sure that you can connect with them and what they stand for i like that a lot and and you, you know you've talked about the lessons learned yeah one of the things that i'm interested to understand is whether you have faced adversity along the way and how that shaped you as a person as a leader
1: yeah i mean Adversity obviously can be different to, to each individual. Uh, and it's probably safe to say that we've all faced tough and difficult situations mm-hmm. in our lives, whether that's from a personal or work perspective. And I'm, I'm a big believer that when you face adversity, you do need resilience to get through it. You do. Yeah. Absolutely. Because without that, it, it can break you uh, for sure. My key thing when I face adversity is I start with focusing on my first, myself first and what maybe I need to do personally. What in that situation, can I do something different? What is the next thing that I can do personally? What are the things that I can do to make it better that I have personal control over? And I mean, that's really, really important. And and when I have had those sort of situations where I, I face diversity, I make sure that I'm only surrounding myself with positive people. What I need there is uh, I need people who are looking at the glass half full rather than half empty, because if you've got people that are around you that are being negative, that's not going to help you get out of the situation that you're in. I think you you absolutely need to be selective about the people you surround yourself with. And I've had a situation in my work life where I actually didn't like, I got to a stage where I didn't like who I was surrounded by. And that started to get me down. That started to question whether I actually wanted to do the role because everybody has their own sort of uh, morals and principles uh, of how they do things. And by being surrounded by people that I felt were not for me, I needed to do something about it. And therefore I got out and I got out at the right time and I went on and did something else. So if you're ever in that situation in a work scenario where you maybe are facing adversity and you're not sure that it's going to change particularly, that's where you might want to make some decisions about doing something yourself rather than trying to, uh, uh, to work through it but surrounding myself with positive people and being selective who I surround myself with has always helped me get out of those situations that I've been in either from a personal or business perspective
0: so avoiding the mood users as Andy Cope likes to call them the uh, positive psychologist but also that thing around you taking personal responsibility and looking at how you can change your behaviors to change the situation
1: yeah which is really rare it yeah, but and, and I but I think important right and I'm not saying that I did that when I was early on in my career, these are things <laughs> you start to learn. learn. But I but I do think that if there's a, a situation and, and I'm talking more in a work life life here because you can face adversity with family and, and friends that is just heartbreaking and we've all been through ah. stuff like that, which is harder for you to, to do something personal. Other than bring you, know, you know, moving forward, you can bring that sort of pers- personal positivity and uh, to the to the table with with others around you but in a work situation, to look at something and say "I wasn't part of that problem is not a good way of looking at it. You will have some role that you need to play to help improve. Um, that situation so and that's the stuff you have in control could I've done this differently should I do this different moving forward they're always the things I ask myself and you may come up with a conclusion in this situation no I can't do anything different but at least you have asked yourself that question to have an attitude of it's nothing to do with me it's not my fault. I don't believe him for sure
0: yeah it's that circle of influence stuff isn't it and you've absolutely nailed it in the way that you've articulated it now I know that you like to take really good care of yourself and your well-being (laughs) so um, it'd be lovely to hear some of your top tips around that really in terms of how you do it and how you make sure that you take good care of yourself.
1: Yeah, I mean I, I I first and foremost uh I uh, I think I've mentioned obviously that I I used to play football. I played football for a number of years. I actually played it all the way up to the the age of uh of 40. So I probably did what 30 plus years of playing football. So that was oh, my wow. my exercise every weekend during the week training and stuff like that. And like all things, you know, stuff has to come to an end. So when I gave uh, gave football up, I needed to get into some other form of exercise. Exercise for me is extremely important for two reasons obviously it keeps you fit and healthy in terms of your, of your body but it's actually where i can do a lot of my thinking time as well and i took running up running is, is work for me. i tried the gym and all that stuff and really it was you know they're going there they're using the equipment it, it seemed to be a, a bit of a faff to have to do that every time so i I got more into running and it's really funny, even though I was really fit playing football, I struggled to do a one mile run, a one and a half mile run <laughs> continuous without being out of breath and 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 pretty quiet. Uh-huh. So over time I've built myself up. So this is when I hit 40. So it's it's over the last sort of five years or so. I then built myself up to run further and further. Then I started doing half marathons. And that's really my my thing now. Running is what keeps me fit from a from a sort of exercise perspective. But I also use running to learn stuff. So I listen to podcasts when I run. Mm-hmm. I may have a, like, I've done it today. I've been for a run this morning. I've got something at work right now that needs a bit of whiteboarding. So I've already done the whiteboarding in my head uh, as I've done an eight-mile run today. And oh, cool. I've come back and I've written it on the whiteboard. So that's my bit of thinking done. And I can now start to formulate that, that into ideas this afternoon, ready for a call that's going to take place uh, early evening. Uh, around it. So I use my, my exercise to also do thinking as well, um, both personal, but a lot of work thinking. So running definitely. And then I've really made sure I've changed my diet to ensure that, you know, I've got much more fruit in my life and fiber in my life and all the things that are good for you. Um, I, um, I've, invested in a billet, which was the best thing I yep. ever did because suddenly I'm <laughs> eating stuff as a as a smoothie that I would never do if you just put it on a plate yeah. so it's um, that's a massive tip for me I'm I'm seriously eating stuff that I never thought I would but it's all healthy stuff so that helps as well and then what that does if I do all of that it allows me to have pizzas and takeaways at the weekend when we're out of lockdown um, and obviously the odd, odd beer or glass of wine here or there as well but they're the the, the, the sort of change of diet has really helped me, but definitely the thing that does it for me is running um, some form of exercise. Even if it's one mile or 500 meters to start with, it just, you, the feeling you have after doing it, plus what you can do in terms of your mind as you, mm-hmm. as you do it. stream thing. It's not just about the body, it's about the mind with w- running for me. So that's the, my, my top tip if, if anybody's looking for what exercise do I, I need to do. That top trunks doing the gym. Obviously, if you're much younger than me, you can obviously play team sports <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, but I'm—I've got past that age now. Where I have—I've decided to do individual. Sports <laughs> it's the one that's my my chosen one.
0: And it's that thing with running, isn't it? That it's the persistence at the start, because as you said, the fitness and and the ability to do it improves over time. It doesn't take too long, but that first time when you get out there and do it, it's hard.
1: It is absolutely, and I remember. Thinking, oh, well, I'm really fit. I can just go and do a five mile run today. <laughs> After mile, mile and a bit, I was at home going out of breath and saying, we'll overdo it. And then just over a period of months, I just built it, built it, built it. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, I can go and do a, a much longer run without it, you know, affecting me. And, and when I come back, I, I feel good for it for sure.
0: And let me ask you is the first mile still hard, even though you can run lots and lots?
1: Yeah, I would say the, the third mile into into the fourth mile is always the hardest because you're not – I normally do eight to nine as I go. You're not quite halfway, but there there's a thing of you have a dip. And I always talk to myself, and and, and it's in my head. I'm not, I don't actually shout <laughs> it out as I'm running. But in my head, I'm saying to myself, right, this is the dip. This is the dip. I just yeah. need a second wind. I need second wind. And always by default about half a mile further on – your second wind comes in, and then it's a breeze to do the rest of the run, definitely.
0: So, there's that bit around the positive self talk to get you over that that hump bit. Then um, yeah. you've just got to kind of push it back. Exactly.
1: Battery. There's absolutely nothing wrong to talking to yourself in your head. I do it all the time, trust me.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> and I feel exactly the same because I do kettlebell sport, which is an hour of lifting. And yes. that middle section is the toughest section. So, you've just got to push through it with, yeah. the, with the positive yeah. self talk. It yeah. great tip. And what about stress and pressure? How do you handle that in a in a work environment?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that everybody has stress uh, and pressure, and I I don't believe in that that thing of the in the more senior you get, then the more stressed you are, because stress again comes in different ways for for, for different people. And I think for me, how I I managed to handle it is to really decide when you maybe need to step back from a couple of situations. Um, you know, I talked about the, you know, the Friday afternoon email and don't get involved in sort of a, <laughs> a ranting and raving session over the weekend. But I do really believe in the if there's a situation that is 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 getting to you, step back from it. And that might be step back in terms of go and do something different. Or if possible, go and step back from work for an hour or two and do something else. You know, go for that run watch the TV, read a book, whatever it is that you like doing, um, maybe um, just sort of thinking then about, right, what is the situation about? How can I improve it? And what do I need to do to get into a a better mindset on it? That really, really helps for me. That sort of step back, think about it, because you Mm. come back maybe sometimes with a second pair of eyes on it and go, this is what I need to do. The other thing as well is that I'm a really big, big believer in mentors and I've done a lot of work with the Chartered Institute of Marketing around um, mentorships and, and what mentor really means. And I am a big believer that everyone should have a mentor of, of some type. Now, that might be um, somebody who is a peer to you um, and you can use them for talking marketing to marketing. I often say, if that's the case, you want somebody where you want a sort of a, a business mentorship with in terms you want to talk about your day job, try and pick somebody externally rather than somebody internally who does marketing. Obviously, okay. don't talk about don't talk about your company secrets to them, but just talk about the situation you're in and how they might approach it. And that really help. I actually have a mentor who is, um, he used to be my boss way back at Augur. So, you know, back in my, in the sort of mid 90s. He's become a friend now, but he's become a mentor. And he's a CTO, so he doesn't even understand marketing. And and I can safely say if he listens to this, he will agree. He doesn't understand marketing. (laughs) What he's really awesome at doing is analyzing a situation that I'm in. Because most situations you're in will not be related to the expertise of the the role of marketing. It will be situational. And how can you handle that situation or a person or a bunch of people or something related to... To that, And he's really, really good at helping me think about the problem left to right and then help him build on how I could maybe solve that and and be better for it. So I use him for those situational type pressures that that I get into if I can't do it myself by stepping away um, and doing it from that perspective. And I think that if you are in a situation where stress and pressure is continuous and it doesn't seem to go away, you should feel good to speak out. You should feel good to talk to your manager or your your skip manager. And what mm. I mean by that is your manager's manager. You should feel good to talk about that if that's going to help you get into uh, into a better place. If you hide it in because you don't want people thinking that, you know you're not very good or you're you're too vulnerable. I think vulnerability is a great thing to show for sure and yeah. um, then I think you're missing out i i've I've often you know spoken out where I am struggling and it's not gone away, and I've been absolutely blown away by the response back of the help that I've got now you have to manage your own situation. do you think your your manager or your managed manager will react in that way, but I over my career have been is been pleasantly surprised most of the time that people will want to help you and actually often not pleasantly surprised I know they would I don't need to be surprised by it I know if I ask them they will they will help so that's really really important as well
0: yeah if you're willing to reach out and ask for it it's it's so powerful and you genuinely do get the support that you're looking for in most cases yeah. but you're right that continuous stress can be so detrimental to health um so getting help is really important yeah scott i could talk to you like all afternoon really because yes. you're really inspirational and the way that you think about things is it going got to help people i know it but we have to play a game now because we're oh. at the point in the podcast
1: right. where we
0: play the five-second game rules.
1: Oh right.
0: Now, I know, it's great. You're going to love it. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is where I asked you a question and you have five seconds to give me three answers oh, in response okay. to the question. So no question whatsoever. Um, I know you're going to be fab. So are you ready? Yeah, I'm can. ready. Yes. So Scott, in the five-second game rule, can you give me three things that you can do to relax?
1: Running making sure i get enough sleep playing with my children oh
0: playing that is a massive one isn't it going back to being seven years
1: old oh without a doubt there's stuff that i can remember that i used to do as a kid that they love doing now and i'm like i'm all in let's do it being yeah. being a kid being a kid for a period of time is a great thing Be, that's for sure um, and that's that's something my kids do for me for sure and that's what
0: about lockdown as well as we're discovering all of the things that we used to do as kids that perhaps yep. we've not done with our own children but there's so little to do now that you're sort of <laughs> scraping the walls for things and and experiencing stuff that we used to do like building dens and climbing oh, trees
1: building dens is a is a daily occurrence in my house and today because the weather's nice uh, my children are going to do art but they're going to go to, to the river and draw stuff by the river and i'm like I'm not oh. doing that I've forgotten about it, but I remember doing that. So I'm going to go and uh, have 45 minutes out with them and uh, watch them do that while uh, while they have fun. So it's making sure uh-huh. that it's, it's back to that sort of getting away from stressful, pressure situations where you can have the opportunity to do that and it doesn't impact yeah. your work. I, I lockdown or not, I, I shout out you should do that as much as you can when you're working from home for sure. Definitely.
0: And now uh, the killer question yeah, now you've you've kind of alluded to this all the way through, but I'm interested in in the succinct answer now at the end. In your view, Scott, what is the absolute secret to success?
1: Right. I would say success comes in many forms. I don't see successful people as only those who have become senior leaders in a business. um and I would say the five things are hardworking, driven but not ruthless. Being inclusive, learning from mistakes, they're not a bad thing, mistakes, and going out of your comfort zone.
0: Oh, I think not one. That is amazing. Just just repeat those for me slowly. slowly. Yeah.
1: Okay. So I, I would say being hardworking, hard work. I don't care what anyone says, even if you're na- you have a natural talent, hard work gets you to where you need to in terms of being successful. And yeah. I know that personally. Being driven, you know, really driven to where you want to go, what you want to do, but not in a ruthless way where no one matters. I'm going to get in, out everyone out of my way, and I'm going to get to the top, whatever. Being driven, but not ruthless, very important. Being inclusive, we've we've talked about it. Being inclusive, having the right people around you, including them, making sure that they help you um, with the success. Um, without going into too much detail, we have something in Microsoft where we we look at ourselves, not just how great we can do stuff ourselves, individual contribution how can we help others succeed and how can we take others um, work and build on it to be more successful? So we have that sort of approach of it's not just all about you as an individual contributor. It's how you you work with your team and with other teams to uh, to be successful. So that inclusive stuff is important. The other one was learning from mistakes. Mistakes are not a bad thing. I think every mistake you make, there is a learning moment from it. Um, Providing the mistake isn't so horrendous, it brings your company down then mistakes are a good thing. Um, And you should be able to say, I'm going to showcase that mistake and improve and and learn from it so that we improve. And then the last bit, no one ever gets really, really successful if they just do the same thing every day, day in, day out. Mm -hmm. Get out your comfort zone. The amount of meetings I've been in where I'm like, Oh, I have no idea about this. I'm right out of my comfort zone. I'm going to fly by the seat of my pants on this one. And then over time, I've already, I know what it's all about and I've learned it. But if I hadn't done it, getting, you know, I, I present a lot, I'm, um, I do a lot of conferences and stuff. But when I first used to present, oh man, I was out of my comfort zone being on stage. And, but I'm glad I did it because now I feel I love presenting. It's a thing I enjoy oh. doing. So. Out of the comfort zone thing is a good thing, and even though it doesn't feel good at the time, you would definitely benefit from from doing that more regularly.
0: So, five steps to success in yeah. the eyes of Scott Allen. I think there's a book there, Scott. <laughs> uh, you know, in your first time. <laughs> yes.
1: not, not sure about that, but hopefully, it helps somebody at least.
0: <laughs> it's amazing. You've been an absolute pleasure, just as I knew that you would be. Thank you for sparing the time and do look after yourself and your family and uh, I can't wait to speak to you again in the future
1: thank you much appreciated and uh, great to spend time with you
0: I do hope that you enjoyed listening to the Mindset Mentor Meets podcast if you did be sure to check out the show notes to access all of those important links For more about me, visit my website at www.angela-cox.co.uk. Now, I'd really love it if you could subscribe to our channel so that you never miss an episode. And do leave us a five-star review because it really helps us to get noticed. Bye for now. I do hope that you'll tune in next week and take good care.